When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. The O'Chelly Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, and now most, the most underrated voice in all, in all media, Chuck O'Chelly. May 4, may the 4th be with you, I guess. Uh, it is a Star Wars holiday, right? As I speak live, allegedly, according to that thing we call a calendar. Indeed, it is the 4th of May, 2023. Uh, and here we are live on Ocelli.com radio, which, by the way, there was an outage on many, many, many radio broadcasting platforms. And uh, I think mine might have been down for a couple of days. But we are back to live, and uh, those of you listening on the podcast, you don't care anyway. But uh, I'm still putting out the podcast, doing all that good stuff, and here we are again. Boy, the week flew by quickly. We are back around to Thursday, and uh, last Thursday, I wasn't feeling well. Tried to go to air, and no, I'm not releasing that podcast, but I am going to redo the show. Minus one element, no Carmine Savastano tonight, although we're going to get Carmine with us again, scheduling uh, I guess prohibited him from joining us tonight, but we are blessed as per usual. I've got Mike Swanson in the first hour, the guy behind WallStreetWindow.com. Be in the know, go to WallStreetWindow.com. He's also the author of The War State, Why the Vietnam War, the first in a series of three books, three planned books on that conflict, but uh, author of many other pieces of work out there. Uh, actually wrote an introduction to a book that his dad wrote. That's up on Amazon. Anyway, links to all that in the show notes. And yes, indeed, my voice is still a little weak, but uh, what are you going to do? Sore throats are sore throats, and I'll try and get to shutting up as quickly as I can. Michael Swanson with me in the first hour, second hour. Larry Hancock, the author of so many books. I'm not going to bother to list them right now, but you can always go to larry-hancock.com and check that out. And I advise you to read his blog, you know, we've been talking aliens, we've been talking Russia, JFK assassination. Randomly, I have no idea what we're going to get into tonight because I had a plan last week, but it might have went awry. Anyways, let's get to it. Mike Swanson, and I did go to air five minutes late on the live stream, but again, podcasters, podcatchers don't really tell time. You don't care. You could be listening to this anytime, anywhere. And it doesn't really matter. But uh, as I speak, it is just about mm, 11 minutes after 8 p.m. Eastern Time here in what we used to call America. Mike Swanson. <laughs> I know I sound more coherent this week than usual, although my normal sloppiness is in play. How you doing tonight, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, it's good to talk with you. Uh, I've had a week where I've been taking it easy, quite frankly. So um, we, we did the show 
uh, last week, um, it, it, it helped spur me into making a, a decision to slow down myself. Mm. And, um, I, I've, I'm, I have a, a table that's right in front of me that I'm looking at that has one, two, three, four, uh, over 15 stacks of, uh, piles of papers, documents that are supposed to be uh, a chapter in a book, uh, that, and it's been sitting there for, no. for several years now. So, is that the next uh, Vietnam book or is that something yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not really exactly sure if it's going to be just a Vietnam book. It's going to be a, a sequel to both those two books, really. But I, I've decided uh, to slow down my website and stop doing these. It takes me 90 minutes to put out these morning emails I've been doing for the past couple of years. Oh, yeah, for the uh, listeners, you know, it's great to sign up for those. Uh, you, you get, I mean, look, it's a totally different thing than what you get from J.P. Satilli, who does the rundown. Um, and it's another sort of a, a quick news brief over there, and I get them every morning. Uh, well, during the I, week, I decided yeah. to stop it. So, oh, okay. <laughs> in order to free up time so I can, uh, you know, write a book and, and write, other things. Well, uh, and you do have some people putting out articles over there on the website. Well, I mean, I've, I've, I've yeah. slowed that down too. What, I, okay. what I've decided to do is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm referencing all kinds of stuff. You're going to slow down. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, I've been updating the website every single day or Monday through Friday. And, and I'm probably just going to do it once, once a week. Um, well, you know, for people that do, that do like some kind of harder labor job, they're sitting there going, these guys are complaining about doing websites. But I'm going to tell you something. It becomes quite draining when you have to uh, uh, continuously work on these things and you have to keep updating them on a daily basis. I mean, generally speaking, I mean, I've slowed down quite a bit with the podcast, right? But that's going to speed back up and we're going to start putting out, you know, 20 podcasts a week again. Uh, it's going to be there. I mean, I'm not personally going to talk on 20 podcasts, but I'm going to go back to my five as per usual. You know, Chris has three. That's eight right there. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're going to pump out a bunch of stuff. Um, but it becomes exhausting if you don't stop and, you know, ease back a little bit. You got editing and placement and you wind up a lot of hours on a computer and it's not the healthiest activity. <laughs> really for for the organism that you are you know what i'm saying uh it, it gets to working on your eyes well and, I, yeah. I, I i really you know I, I wasn't i really want to do more serious writing and, and i came to conclusion just thinking back over the past year right. of a couple of things that I, I wrote that had a big impact or you know i don't mean like a hundred thousand people read them right but a, a couple thousand people read them um, that are important. Well, and you saw some actions uh, off of your stuff. I mean, uh, on a local level, yeah. you, you saw people well, actually react and things happened due to the information that you were putting out. And that's the thing, is that you, you can choose to pump out a high volume of stuff, truthfully, uh, and, you know, and it's a crapshoot, or you can really focus your energies and put out things selectively 
right? And, uh, you know, last night I was going to do a show live, by the way, and uh, a, a cult priestess who was uh, scheduled to be with me, she broke a tooth earlier in the day, so it wasn't me taking the break. But I'm noticing a lot of people are, you know, tripping over things and needing to slow down because, you know, we well, try I'll to pump you, out well, a lot of stuff. You know, and yeah, it, good. I, like, basically, two or three years ago, I had every year would cut, you know, starting like two or three years ago, I would start the year out. And I would say, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to have to make a decision. I'm either going to have to slow down and start to write books and do things more creative that I want to do mm-hmm. or try to turn this into some big news website with more writers and really make this into some giant thing. Right. And at a, and, and I, you know, had finally made a decision. Well, I'm just going to slow down. Right. <laughs> and, and one thing about it is, um, a couple things the things I have written let's say in the past 10 months uh, I didn't need a giant platform to get them out they just kind of went viral on their own right and one article was one that we talked about on your show about the LBJ tapes and the Kenny assassination well I've got you know I, I, I could write an article about that once a month with yeah. more free time uh, with original research and would actually be more conducive if, if I want to sell more books, it helps do that, uh, or, or drive up interest in the next book whenever it comes out. But right. I'm more interested in researching and, you know, doing that than just, you know, spitting, trying to feed the news cycle, uh, really, uh, with, with all, with talking about the markets and whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, on, on the website. So. Well, and, and I've decided oh. to change things up a little bit. We're not always going to have two-hour programs. Uh, there's going to be a lot of one-hour programs. And we're going to add video elements, uh, even though I've been dragged kicking and screaming into that. There's going to be more video stuff going on. And um, I want to focus more on getting out things that are more informative, more educational. So that's going to happen. Plus, uh, you know, and, and this is the thing. You, you have different shifts when you're doing this where, look, for a little while, it's great to just pump out a ton of stuff. And, uh, and see where it goes. But I mean, ultimately, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta be choosy about this kind of stuff. And again, I know some people out there might be going, well, I got a hard job. You know, you, you're working with a computer and whatnot. But the truth is that, uh, any of this stuff can become quite draining. And you gotta, you gotta make a cost benefit analysis. What is the thing that you want to accomplish? Right. Um, and I, I'm very much, uh, uh, building up to this, uh, you know, to, to Dallas in November. Uh, ultimately, that's going to be a, a, a big thing for me, and it's going to mark a serious change here. Um, we're, we're going to go forward with a a, a, a different game plan, okay? Um, well, still I using all the facilities. Like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, with that topic, Carmine has been doing, looking through the recent files. Right. He's written a couple, two articles about he's interested in these defectors, Soviet defectors, and what their stories are, and not just the famous ones like Nusenko, but all of them. And he's, you know, studying that. But he's, uh, hopefully we'll get him on the show soon. I'll just say he's found a real explosive JFK document. Right. Not in, in terms of solving it or something, but one, uh, you know, we'll have to get him on the show to get him to 
to talk about, but but no one, you know, it's not out there yet. No, in the no next couple of weeks, a, a unique piece yeah. of uh, work from Carmine is going to come up, and there's going to be some unique work here because finally, uh, we, we've had enough time to go through a bunch of things, a bunch of us now, uh, and it's been very interesting. And, and quite frankly, Larry's working on uh, that, that you know UAP art, uh, you know stuff mm-hmm. right now. That is fascinating. Um, it's very academic and dry reading to some people, but. The truth is, I mean, that's going to be uh, uh, quite interesting. Uh, he's still not going to get away from the JFK stuff. He, he's uh, likely going to be in Dallas also in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think it's going to be a very interesting year for all of us because it is time that, uh, that, that, that our impact is much, much better measured, and we're all going to make choices. I mean, I'm going to love to see you write more books. Uh, I mean, I appreciate what you do with the website and everything, but I love when you actually put together a volume and if the uh, vietnam series evolves um it'll be great to just sort of get a, a full-on 20th century uh view from you with geopolitics uh because again I, I love the war state and where it takes us up to there uh going forward and fleshing some other things out that have happened since uh basically where that book sort of stops um is is huge you know so i'm looking forward to that stuff and what could be uh, built off of it. Uh, frankly, why why is there not a documentary that is of the same name about the war state? Why you know what I'm saying? Like I think these kind of things could get done, and uh, not 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 saying that you need to do them. What I'm saying is that other people might get interested in this material and want to um, transpose it to other types of media. Uh, and I think that's going to be something that's going on here. I, I, I hear tell of a bunch of different people that we know off and on, maybe uh, having interest and in going forward with films and things. Uh, so I'd love to see that that whole thing happen. Um, and yeah, I, I just I just look forward to the evolution of this stuff, and I, and I think it's going to be an interesting time. Uh, I just hope that we don't fall into the same ruts, you know, because sadly we have the 2024 selection coming up, Mike. And you know that's going to occupy a whole lot of air in every room everywhere, right? I mean, that's going to be a big deal, isn't it? Well, that, that's one thing, too. Like, I, you know, for the past couple of years, I've been compiling these morning headlines and sending them out. Um, I'm still sending out occasion. I'm still going to send out occasional emails, but I'm not going to be doing that. You know, and, and you mentioned J.P. Satilli. I highly recommend everyone get his go to newsvandal.com and subscribe to his yes. his is a daily email but it, i mean i'm telling you it, it it took me 90 minutes to put mine together right it's got to take him at multiple hours to do what he does oh it does it takes many hours, i mean it's yeah. no four or five six hours a day because right. he's finding you know i mean i'll just tell you how i, I mean i don't he's going well he told you on your show once he just has lots of websites bookmarked and goes through them every single day right and he balances Uh, out a whole bunch of things where he goes for you know the opposing view okay so you got a headline story let's say uh and uh let's just talk about okay it's trump and his uh, most recent legal woes right so he'll get a an article which is clearly very sympathetic to him you know sort of right-wingy press right and then he'll uh, go and get a left-wing attack sort of article uh, and place that with something that might seem a little more neutral. 
you know, from the, uh, the, 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 the standard news feeds, if you will, right? Your, your Reuters and your, uh, Associated Press and put them all together. And what he does is it creates a snapshot of that thing where you get it from all sides, right? And then each one of these little beats in the story tell a story in and of themselves. If you just read the headlines, you know, so I mean, that's kind of a complex construct there. Uh, oh, which yeah. he puts together, and and yeah, it takes several hours. Um, and he's another one who's thinking about changing up the way he's doing stuff, and you know, getting back to uh, uh, you know his real bread and butter because he's a, he's really a, a, a superb writer. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, uh, you know, no offense to you or anything, but he's probably one of the best writers that we know, just pure authors mm-hmm. of information. Uh, he tells very interesting stories without coloring them too much. But at the same time, giving you a, a, a flair and various color commentary uh, without leaning, you know, hard into one agenda or another. He lays out a lot of information and, and very succinctly in an enter- entertaining way, um, which is extremely rare. I mean, right? I mean, there's not a lot of authors that can do the type of work that JP does. And he's very undervalued. Uh, a lot of people used to pay him to do that. And he used to be able to make a good living off it, and not so much nowadays. So, you know, he's had to uh, shift the, uh, the the way that he's putting things out. And the rundown is an unpaid thing. You know, people kick in a little bit here or there. But, I mean, uh, it's it's not something that people pay for. You know, would people pay a dollar or two a day? I, I, I think they should. I would. You know, I mean, not a day, but, I mean, a, a couple dollars a month. I think it would be fair to subscribe to him for a couple dollars a month. I support him on Patreon for a few dollars, you know. Uh, not a lot. I don't got a lot. But, you know, but uh, if everybody who read that thing kicked in a couple of dollars, the guy would make a, a living. You know what I'm saying? So that's the other thing is trying to monetize and utilize the skills that you have as a content creator who is uh, one of, of some – Skill, you know, not just somebody who's throwing things up against a wall, but somebody who who puts things together with a, a great deal of thought. That's becoming a challenge too, uh, and and thus we're back around to what you were talking about, which is you know, you're now going to start focusing more on the long form in the books and uh, more substantive uh, presentations, right? Yeah, yeah, and it could be an article, you know, a couple thousand words, like the one that did about LBJ. I got a couple ideas and in mind but you know one thing <laughs> that last the other the other week you mentioned elon musk well oh yeah well you know one thing that started to just drain on me on this stuff i started to feel like actually putting out looking at for me looking at this stuff the news cycles what i was really looking at mm-hmm. every morning uh, I was looking at the financial media, all the major financial websites, what their top stories of the day are, and then looking at, uh, I mean, you can do this with uh, RSS feeds, Google News, other uh, aggregators. You could see what the top headlines of the day are throughout the media, mm-hmm. um, and what I one thing I'll say I've learned is I I believe and I subscribe to a couple newspapers right. online major newspapers right. but I'll just say that I've come to the conclusion that the Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal as far as 
straight news of what's going on are the two best publications. Mm, But that said, one thing that really has just, and this will link into your 2024 thing, one thing that I've found grading as I've been doing this is that so often the news cycle is just dominated by garbage stories. Uh, we mm-hmm. saw the balloon story, panic, right. a couple months ago, but uh, so multiple times, and I'm not talking about Twitter here, right? but multiple times there have been a couple moments this year, and there's one two weeks ago, where Elon Musk became, you know, had, there's a, a stupid story about Elon Musk on all the websites, all the major websites, and it was something about AI, something, something dumb. Well, it's said, a strange landscape. Yeah, no, it's a strange landscape. And by the way, uh, you know, and we, I don't want to look at that crap. I got off I got Twitter. Well, and, I don't want to look at Elon Musk garbage. Right. And I don't want to spend. You know, here it is again. Here we go. And you know, did you take note recently of the way uh, Newsbreak is marketing themselves now? No, how, how? Okay, well, no, their their most recent push is uh, you don't need local news anymore because we are your local news. Oh, uh, where, where are you seeing this? Yeah, no, I, I get it on my uh, on my YouTube, you know, because I, I don't pay for any of that stuff, so i got to deal with all the ads. Uh, so on all of my video platforms that have any sort of commercials and also on my audio platforms, uh, if you subscribe to some of the, you know, radio things, even if you have uh-huh. commercial-free radio, they'll insert commercials every once in a while, right? If you uh, go with the free service, you know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, a lot of them are, are they're, they're actually literally paying for ad space all over the place. Hey, we're Newsbreak, and we are your local news, no matter where you are. Uh, which, you know, you, you talked about this uh, well ahead of their marketing campaign, that this is precisely what they were doing. And I told you it seemed to me like everybody in the world was starting to use Newsbreak, uh, picking up their local stories even, no longer going to you know, the local uh, constitution, journal, whatever it is, that's in their area anymore, right? Uh, we talked about the death of local news, essentially. And uh, and we were talking about this thing as an aggregation tool. It's literally become the thing, right? So no matter where you are, your local news can be custom because of news breaks. So the apps are another uh, uh, part of the game here, right? Well... Oh man, yeah, goodness! I didn't know they're advertising like that. Well, I just are. tell you, I sold yeah. out and um, <laughs> submitted myself. I'm a, I've written three articles for them. Okay. So, so now you are part of what they're going to present to people in Virginia, right? As we're the local news for Virginia, and it'll yeah, be yeah, because they, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, when we first were talking about them. I, was like well they were they were linking to my website. I would write right. a local news story, they would link to it, and I would get sometimes thousands of hits. And then starting around New Year's, they stopped linking to my website. Right. And I noticed the Lee Enterprises giant conglomerate local newspaper, they 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 stopped linking to them too. Mm-hmm. They continue to link to mo- to the others locally where I live but um, it looks like a lot most of them have made some sort of deal where they're taking their articles and 
sharing the ad revenue or something. Uh, and I, it, that's a program they have for publishing companies. Okay. Well, I submitted to join that because I, I gave up that they'd ever link to me again. They never responded. So then I said, well, I don't care. I'm not doing this to make ad money anyway when I write these local articles. Right. So I just said, screw it. I'll just write on there as one of their, you know, anyone can do it. Anyone can submit and do it. Right. But it's it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, I mentioned the local paper where I live is owned by Lee Enterprises. Well, they put out a press release a few days ago, this week. I mean, they own the Richmond Times-Dispatch, uh, Roanoke newspaper. They own newspapers across the country. Right. They're the second or third biggest owner of newspapers, and they downsize them, they shrink them. And our newspaper, they don't. I don't even know how many people subscribe to it. I don't think it's the, their paper. I don't think it's but a few thousand people. Right. They only have... I, I, I looked... Well, they, they put out an announcement saying... They're considering the Lee Enterprises company to shift to only putting out three paper newspapers a week. Um, and the amount of local news in it is already minimal. Their, their website, they have unique websites for every of their newspapers, but I think they look like crap. Um, I don't see how they attract an audience or, build a connection with their readers it's just it's it's an example of the death uh of the newspapers and um one of the things that bothered me was when the newsbreak thing kicked me off around new year's um i went and looked at the various apps i don't have these things on my phone so I had to install them on my phone. Okay. And I looked at my website. I looked at all the local news websites. And I realized that someone that's 16 years old that gets on their phone mm-hmm. really has no way to tell the difference between my website or the Lee Enterprises website. Right, which... You know, these other websites, they all blend together. Right. So it's all a blended it, it, mix it's, of, it's right. It's all, of, and then they got their apps. So, and Newsbreak is the app. Well, or, the app know, there's is. There's a few others. Right. But the but app is the, the sifting. But that's the thing. The app has become the sifting tool. And I just forwarded you something that was written uh, by, by this guy, John Leake, um, <clears throat> about okay. the change in attitude, uh, you know, with the Washington Post and the New York Times. Uh, you know, and, and also, you know, the Wall Street Journal this week. Towards even. what? Well, with the way that they're presenting news and the way that they're breaking things and challenging, you know, the establishment. Okay. Um, which is interesting. And it's all become this very homogenous sort of blend of stuff. And then it's just sort of squeezed out like Play-Doh through these apps where this is your information stream now, right? So it's impossible to discern the legitimate journalistic organization from the guy who's got a local popular blog or, you know, an independent person who might be very serious like yourself who's actually trying to get out information about things that are happening locally. Um, it's impossible to discern you from the little mom-and-pop newspaper that's still trying to survive from the, uh, you know, cookie-cutter 
uh, a multi-conglomerate representation because it's been bought up locally. Uh, all this stuff has sort of been squeezed together into one big pile of Play-Doh, right? Yeah. <laughs> and eventually... Now, the yeah. good news about this yeah. I mean, is... I'll use myself as an example. Sure. Any, I mean, it's good and bad, uh, but any person, if they want to, can just go uh, to their city council meetings mm-hmm. and start writing about it. And if you just do that, the listener, um, you would have a huge impact. You probably could, uh, but on here's your community because that's what I've that's all I've done in the past. Right, you know, there's the you know that's what I've done. Well, I know you've been going to the <laughs> council meetings and stuff, and going to these important, you know, like we're getting together to discuss this particular project and stuff. Like we talked about the the concert that was local to you, this kind of stuff. But what's bad is now is anybody ever going to get paid again outside of the big huge right. <laughs> The people that own the app, they get paid, and you know the ad revenue yeah. comes to them. No, that's that's right, that's right. But there you go. Well, so death of the I job that is journalism. Think, <laughs> it's over. I think it's possible. No, yeah. I think it's possible to. Okay. Um, I think you can build your own. I mean, <laughs> maybe I'll one day try to do this again. You know. Okay. Uh, or, or get motivated. I really want to write. Do can it do research and write some stuff? Well, you want to do some more long form historical stuff, is what you're going to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think one could do it. And the example, well, I'm a baseball fan, Mm -hmm. and the I follow the I like the Baltimore Orioles, right? But it doesn't matter what the team is. I follow this sports team, and. It, in 2000, mm-hmm. you know, there was the Baltimore Sun, uh, just a few outlets really covering them. Right. Radio shows that, you know, uh, I'm sure in, in in the Maryland area. Oh, guaranteed there's, there's like website. a local, uh, there, there's like an ESPN radio outlet or some kind of local sports talk. Yeah, you know, probably the like same that. station that carries the games. But, but, yeah. yeah, but what, there was a, anyway... There was one website. There was a message board that was pretty big. Mm-hmm. Now it's over time. It's fallen by the wayside, as most message boards have. Right. But at this moment, there's probably five podcasts <laughs> about the Baltimore Orioles baseball team. Right. And there's ten to twelve websites about them put up by. Uh, former reporters and so forth. Right. The thing is, probably none of these people are making very much money at all. And that's the problem you pointed to. But I think there's one that is, and they've been around since the 80s or 90s. Okay. Uh, and, and what they are, they're a sports publication just for the city of Baltimore. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's free. They distribute it uh, to stores with paid advertising in it. 
Right. They also have a radio show, and um, and and it's kind of integrated together. So when I was looking okay. at these apps and seeing how all the news sources are blending together, the answer to that, the solution or way to work beyond it, I think would be to write <laughs> and also do some sort of video uh, or podcast right. that is integrated into the articles. That way, when the people load the app up and go to your article, they'll listen to the thing, the audiovisual thing, and that'll be the connection they have of you. That's unique that the others aren't doing. Yeah, that's the um, one way to support that, the thing. I think that's right. ultimately a trick. Yeah, no, ultimately it looks to me like it. if you have a diverse sort of a, a media presentation where here's some video clips, here's a, a short podcast, here's the written article, and you have this all combined into one thing, there's your publication. Like it's the evolution of the magazine where the magazine's now not just pictures and words, but it's pictures, words, yeah. video clip, audio, here's the podcast discussion, and you make it interactive. That's the only way. And what what is it going to do? It's going to be done all along a bunch of different niche issues, obviously, of uh, fandom, mm -hmm. whether it's a TV show or a sports team or it's following politics or whatever. That's the way it's going to be now. Um, and that's the only way to go. And, I mean, if you look at the major corporate outlets, they're doing this. Uh, although it's pretty cold, it's not really super attached to the listeners. It's not very interactive. See, that's the difference between the major corporate ones and the independents is that the independents actually try to connect with their audiences. Other than that, it's like I connect with my audience, you know, uh, which causes me to have a loyal base, but I don't have the, uh, the, the giant expansive, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of tools to put out a bunch of different things. I'm working on it, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, but once I do, then then that allows me to have sort of a diverse uh, universal magazine that has a, a diverse amount of different types of media combined. That's got to be the key anymore, I think, is, is that's the way it's going to go. Anyway, let's take a little break, and uh, we'll okay. come back on the other side, and maybe we'll discuss some other stuff, or we'll continue talking about the evolution of the media and the information waves of today. Because uh, it is changing. And look, I'm not saying I've got a crystal ball. I'm not prognosticating here, but I'm just taking a look at which way the wind is blowing, and so are you, Mike. Uh, and we're going to decide where it is we want to be during the storm. Stick around. The Ochelia Effect continues. WallStreetWindow.com Gold Silver The Stock Market WallStreetWindow.com Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State understood these trends professionally for many years and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge wallstreetwindow.com go there now go there now go there now in denial secret wars with airstrikes and tanks by larry hancock 
Secret wars became a staple of U.S. covert operations and are still happening today. Mary Hancock's book, In Denial, rips the cover off many of them. Using new files, it exposes things about the Bay of Pigs that no one has ever written about before. It shows why it really failed and why the United States did not learn from it. It also shows why other countries today are doing secret operations with more success. This is the book that puts what some want to deny into the light. In Denial, Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks. Larry Hancock. For more information, go to Larry-Hancock.com. Pick up your copy of In Denial at Amazon.com in digital or physical form. You're listening to the Ocelli.com radio network. The views expressed by callers, co-hosts, or anyone else who happens to get on the air at Ocelli.com do not necessarily reflect the views of Ocelli.com or Chuck Ocelli. And we are not responsible for any stupidity which might ensue. Thank you. Go ahead, caller. I'm interested in the truth about the JFA assassination. Right. Well, what do you want to know? Judy Baker's wild claim, Oswald girlfriend, she knew Ruby and Barry, cancer weapons. Really? I imagine I could claim I have four wheels. It doesn't make me a wagon, but okay. Oswald was on the kill team and trying to prevent the murder of John Kennedy. Come on now. Has a real effort on the JFA assassination? Go to Amazon.com, enter Judith Baker in her own words. You'll get results for a digital copy of a book where Walt Brown utilizes her own words and the known evidence in the case to get at, well, (laughs) a different perspective, let's say. You can get Judith Barry Baker in her own words from the author himself, signed if you request it, by contacting Dr. Brown at K-I-A-S-J-F-K at AOL.com. It's a fun book and it actually dissects the many, many fantastic claims. Judith Mary Baker, in her own words. Thank you for all the great information. Bring me 15 hookers now and get the drugs ready and take me to the private island. Nowadays, if they landed in trip ships wearing peak uniforms, they're like, uh, uh, tranny, tranny, tranny. Literally, everyone would just kneel and go, oh. She goes up on a throne and craps, and they wipe her fat butt. Come on. China's going to let you dress up like like uh, Mary Poppins? No. China's going to shoot you in the back of the head and blow your brains all the place. They want to shatter your mind talking about Justin Bieber! I kill my kids. This is real. I kill them. I kill them. I kill them. I can buy you for the dollar. I have seen. I know. I know who the enemy is. And let me tell you, they are vicious wolves who hate you and your family. Oh, it's free like a piece of cheese. The little mouse comes out and, well, bam, breaks your neck. Ocelli.com. Revelation through conversation.
second segment of the Ocelli Effect begins now here at Ocelli.com. Of course, if you're listening to us via the uh, the podcatcher du jour, you know, your final slab of choice, etc., etc. Could be any time, any day, but it is Thursday as I speak. So uh, Mike Swanson is with me for the next little bit. Then we're going to get into segment number three with the one and only Larry Hancock. So we've been talking about media stuff here uh, in this first hour, and uh, definitely covered the, uh, the the gamut, if you mm, excuse me, <clears throat> if you will. Uh, at, at, sorry, Mike, had a little bit of a belch there. Uh, <laughs> din- dinner was reminding me I just ate it. Sorry. Uh, anyways, thing is, uh, yeah, we were going over some media stuff here. And it has been an interesting uh, couple of what, couple of weeks in the media. We, we've seen uh, uh, what the dismissal of uh, Tucker Carlson, Don Lemon. So your major MSM people, and and I had a bit of a viewpoint on that this past Friday show. But let's not go into that. Let's actually get into some news. Um, Got to tell you, it's strange, and I know I'm going to have to discuss this with Larry in the next hour, but. Uh, yeah, any thoughts, Mike, on the uh, assassination attempt of Vladimir Putin, uh, allegedly? <laughs> I mean, go ahead. Uh, what, what do you think? Well, the thing, you know, talking about the media, you know, when, you know, to me, uh, when the Ukraine war started, um, that really soured me, too, on the so-called alternative media and just social media in general as far as trying mm. to find out what's really going on uh, because I really believed in the first 24 hours, 48 hours that, and I was trying to really follow it closely to figure out where this thing that war was all headed mm. uh, and I just really believed I was being bombarded on both sides by manufactured propaganda distributed through Twitter and you know social media yeah. to uh, control people with these different narratives, and then um, I do and have subscribed to the New York Times, and I've you know talked about some of the things with you that I read in there on the show because sure I consider the New York Times to be the mouthpiece of the national security state at least some of their columnists in particular oh yeah i would say definitely our mouthpieces of the national security state and i've read a couple articles you know explaining that they even speak that way as if they are right. and they want china and russia to read what they're saying well um, in the lead up to the war they you know had articles showing the disposition of the russian troops um you know, the first, let's say, three or four weeks before the war started, uh, there was the, 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 the Ukrainians, Zelensky, was saying there won't be a war. And then the New York Times had put out these articles, and you look at that, and you say, well, boy, they sure do have these things masked like they're serious. And then they did turn out to start a war. But, um, one troubling aspect of, their coverage is their main source is a think tank ran by the Kagans, right? Um, that that were the pro- big proponents of uh, neoconservatism and the Iraq War surge. So, 
you can't just you, you get to a point with the subject of Ukraine I just don't want to take any source uh, at face value now well it's tough uh, the because they, months, they all have agendas Mike so uh, the thing is that the agenda you know comes through first and then you're trying to get at you know just some solid brass tax information what is interesting to me is I don't think anybody a year ago uh, was saying this will last a year <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, nobody thought that, uh, that, uh, that there would be this much resistance. I mean, quite frankly, it seemed to me like, uh, uh U- Ukraine would get rolled right over by, by Russia, or there would be intervention, okay, and that would be prevented. Um, and what's happened is neither of those things has happened cleanly, has it, right? We have the continuation of this conflict. It, it, it appears to escalate and just sort of stagger along. Uh, this, uh, very small country is getting pounded continuously, right? Uh, allegedly to protect a certain area, to take back a certain area, you know, so on and so forth. But forget about all that for a second. It is really amazing to me that this has gone on as long as it has. Um, uh, and I don't think any well, of these, any of these people, whether it was the, the mouthpieces for our national security state or the propagandists for uh, you know, the pro-Russian propagandists or the, uh, you know, supposedly pro-American but non-interventionist, uh, uh, propagandists. I mean, all sides here. We got a lot of different sides. And all of the propagandists, the one thing they all seem to miss is that this was going to be a protracted event. Um, and it's weird to me because I, I don't think anybody was saying that. Uh, do you, do you recall anybody saying this is going to go on for a long time? Uh, not, not right when it started. Not at the beginning, uh, no. No. I mean, because the one thing that seemed to be universally accepted, no matter what the uh, propaganda spent was, is that this will be over pretty quickly, right? But it's not unprecedented. I mean, look. No, no, it's definitely you know, not unprecedented. Iraq. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. The Iraq war against Iran... Before the Americans were over there, they had a war with Iran. Yeah, um, that turned into a stalemate, um, right. and I think it was expected when it started that the Iraqis would be able to have a pretty good victory. And that war lasted for several years, right? Uh, and, and this, you know, looks like that's how this is, could be headed. Could be, but but uh, weird because again, okay, so let's go to today's you know banner headline out of this, right? This uh, drone strike that was allegedly targeting Putin or targeting, you know, the Kremlin in general, right? Uh, very strange because now this has been, I don't know how many claims, but a handful of claims now that have been made that the Ukrainians are staging uh, terrorist attacks, asymmetrical warfare against Russia in order to, you know, get them to back off or in retaliation, right? Um and that narrative on its face just seems crazy to me. 
that they would even be able to do that. Now, Zelensky came out today and said, you know, look, we're, we're spending time defending our land. And let's be honest, if the guy was uh, uh, somehow marshalling asymmetrical attacks against Russia or Putin directly, he's not going to come straight out and go, yeah, we did that. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm at a loss to believe that that's what's happened. Uh, and the Russians seem to have now put out statements saying that they believe that uh, it may have been American-based in some way, but the Ukrainians, like in other words, with American support, Ukrainians are attempting to do these things. And I don't know what to think of this. Um, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that particular event? Or, uh, or, or are you just like, wait and see on it? I'm waiting to see. I haven't really studied, tried to study it, figure it out. It does seem, I mean, you know, my, my first thought would be what you're saying, that it seems pretty fantastic, and it's probably a ruse by the Russians. That's how the war started. Yeah, and right to, away they, you had... They started out by saying yeah. they're evacuating people from that the, the, two, the Donbass region. Right. Russians were being evacuated into Russia because Ukraine was going to attack. Well, that was all ruse, you know. You know, they're doing... Look, most things when it comes to war, um, the trickery, a lot of t propaganda, it's all about their own people. They're not trying to fool us. They're trying to... If it's a trick, right. he's trying to fool the Russian people into believing that this is happening. Well, and you know happened. what's and you know what's highly suspect to me is that people that are admitted mouthpieces for our CIA, our intelligence community, right? Current people and uh, and and people that in the recent past were in positions of authority uh in the intelligence community came right out immediately and started saying, "Look, the one thing that we don't think this is is a false flag attack by the Russians because they have no need to justify uh, what they're doing because they're already doing what they want. They, they, they don't need to, to stage this for some excuse. Now, I object to that. And also the moment that you see, you know, former CIA, this guy or current whatever person coming out and saying, hey, uh, this is not what this is, you know, going out of their way to address something like it's not a false flag attack by the Russians, it almost automatically... Um, <laughs> You know, suggests to me that that's that is indeed well, what look, it is. What, because what in yeah. the world is the business of CIA people to get on television to be saying these things in the first place? Yeah, good point. They're not supposed <laughs> to be intelligence agencies <laughs> right. like for the American people. They're supposed to report to the president, right? So what are they doing? Right. No, it, look, automatic question there. But secondly, when you see, you know, former CIA guy, former FBI, when you see them come out and make these statements, hey, look, uh, folks, this is not what this is. What does that make you think? I mean, you know, your initial gut. What does that tell you? <laughs> you know, pay no attention yeah, I don't to this, folks. That much. Nothing to see here. Move along. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying that, man. When I see these sorts of things, and these guys come straight out and make an effort to make a statement that you know this is not something that it is, almost suggests to me that it's like they don't want you even looking in that direction. Because, indeed, the, the the real circumstance might be in that direction. And what is their job is not to uh, inform us, but to keep us in the dark, right? So, you know, I'm just saying, when, when you see a guy who's out there and his, his job was, uh, you know, counterintelligence and psychological warfare, and he's out there trying to decode something that's happening and telling you this is not what this is, 
uh, yeah, that, 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 that's a weird sort of uh, reverse psychology to me. But then again, it could be just me and my suspicious mind, like the old Elvis song, right? <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is. But, Mike, uh, we only got like a couple of minutes left, and then we're going to move on to Larry Hancock. But uh, sure. anything you want to close out with here, uh, uh, clearly well, we had a better I'm week this week, so thank you. What, I'm always looking forward to hear what Larry has to say. Um, so <laughs> that's that's kind of my last two cents. I got you. Well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna run this very same thing by Larry before he gets into whatever's on his okay. mind tonight, because uh, I want to know what his view is on this. You know, uh, yeah, that's alleged... what I mean. That's why I said that. I want to know what he thinks. Yeah, me too. Uh, believe me, <laughs> we're gonna go there with Larry Hancock starting right off. But in the meantime, be in the know. Go to WallStreetWindow.com. Uh, it is not just about Wall Street. It's about a whole lot of other things. Mike might be slowing down his emails and everything, but believe me, there's plenty of information over there. And as per usual, I suggest that uh, you read The War State and uh, also Why the Vietnam War, which is uh, the first in a series of, well, it's going to be a series of books, and they're going to be historical and interesting uh, with stuff in them that's not available elsewhere in the unique style, the writing style of Michael Swanson who uh, I'm very glad to have had with me in the first hour. Mike, thanks. Hey, are you Thank coming? You, great talking with you. Are you coming back next week, or are we going to have to wait two weeks? Uh, I should be here next week. Excellent. So we will talk to Mike Swanson next week in the meantime, but coming right up, the author who occupies more spots on my bookshelf than any other, Larry Hancock, in the next hour. The Ocelli Effect continues after this. Do you like history? Real history that you were never taught in schools. Why? The Vietnam War. Nuclear bombs and nation building in Southeast Asia by author Mike Swanson with new documentation never seen before that will open your eyes to events that led up to this. Why? The Vietnam War. Nuclear bombs and nation building in Southeast Asia 1945 through 1961. Get your copy today at M Amazon.com. Why? The Vietnam War by author Mike Swanson. Politicians, this is the best we can do, folks. This is what we have to offer. It's what our system produces. Garbage in, garbage out.
To make you think opposite, your mind arrested Following the fake script, they provide for skeptics Pushing lies reflective of what lies in seven Shit is true to red and blue, the things I dyslexic This is literally a galleon dialectic The thesis and antithesis leads to bankers A bunch of behind-the-scenes thieves and gangsters The ones that put the strings on the Oprah show Politicians, public masters, pull out okey-doke Acting real, but the fake like Pinocchio Selling lies to a face so their nose will grow Like the elephant in the room, it's not your vote that counts But who counts the votes it's not to joke about? Hands up, I keep on all the slaves Welcome to the USA Take a look around, see all the dumb down Hands up, look at what I hand out Many people don't know what it means to be free Only know what they need on the TV They silence, your voice I burst off now The illusion of choice Invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com. Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State, understood these trends professionally for many years, and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge. 
WallStreetWindow.com. Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're listening to the Ocelli Effect at Ocelli.com. The War State by Michael Swanson explains the great national transformation that took place and put the Kennedy presidency in the context of the times and reveals never-before-published information about the Cuban Missile Crisis. President Kennedy would not have been assassinated if he had been president 200 years ago. His assassination took place in the context of the Cold War and the rise of the national security state. Before World War II, the United States was a continental republic. In the decade that followed, it became an imperial superpower. Generals such as Curtis LeMay not only wanted to invade Cuba, but knew that there were short-range missiles on the island armed with nuclear warheads that they could not destroy because they were on mobile launchers. Their invasion could have led to a third world war, and they wanted to go to war anyway. The War State by Michael Swanson reveals why and will show you what President Kennedy was up against. For more information, thewarstate.com. Nuclear Holocaust. You know what uranium is, right? Think of nuclear weapons and other things like lots of, you know what uranium is, right? Bad things. Things are done with uranium, including some bad things. Nuclear holocaust. You know what uranium is, right? I pretty brief. Nuclear holocaust. Nuclear holocaust. You know what uranium is, right? Think of nuclear weapons and other things like lots of, you know what uranium is, right? Bad things. Things are done with uranium, including some bad things. Nuclear holocaust. Nuclear holocaust. Nuclear holocaust. Nuclear holocaust. Nuclear holocaust. Nuclear holocaust. In denial. Secret wars with airstrikes and tanks by Larry Hancock. Secret wars became a staple of U.S. covert operations and are still happening today. Larry Hancock's book, In Denial, rips the cover off many of them. Using new files, it exposes things about the Bay of Pigs that no one has ever written about before. It shows why it really failed and why the United States did not learn from it. It also shows why other countries today are doing secret operations with more success. This is the book that puts what some want to deny into the light. In Denial, Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks. Larry Hancock. For more information, go to Larry-Hancock.com. Pick up your copy of In Denial at Amazon.com in digital or physical form. Revelation through conversation. Get ready, get ready for the Ocelli Effect. So there's a little uh, reminder from the intro, okay, uh, the, the older intro from the Ocelli Effect, but segment number three, beginning now. I have author Larry Hancock with me, and we are going to discuss some current events that uh, are, are awfully strange. <laughs> so let's get into the uh, geopolitical military, what the hell is going on, uh, and I'll start off this segment uh, before I do start it off. Uh, I advise you to go to Larry-Hancock.com. Check out his work always. Uh, I'll give you the link to his blog in the show notes, etc. Follow that. Follow Larry's work. 
especially uh, the, the more recent stuff he's doing on UAPs, which we covered a couple of weeks ago on the show. Uh, I know there's going to be more to discuss about that, but no UFOs tonight. Uh, at least I think not. <laughs> Although I'm not really satisfied that we have an identification on the aerial object that allegedly uh, was sent as, uh, you know, the, the banner headline, assassination attempt against Vladimir Putin. Uh, okay, so so shall we just begin with the headline? Was that an assassination attempt? <laughs> um, they're blaming Ukraine and now also blaming the United States because the United States is backing Ukraine. Ukraine's president comes out and says, look, we're having a hard enough time defending our own territory. Why would we be doing this? Etc. Etc. So who do I turn to? Uh, one of the best analysts, period, and that I know for sure. Uh, Larry Hancock, what the hell is going on with all this? Number one, but, uh, be, be, because I, I don't know. I got my suspicions. Let's put it that way. Uh, but do I have enough information to follow through and give you guys a satisfactory analysis at this time? I don't, but perhaps Larry Hancock does. First, Larry, how you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing good, Chuck. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. Uh, look, uh, really sorry that we weren't able to get to you last week, but, uh, yeah, I had a, I had a bit of an issue. Uh, if anybody missed it, I had a bit of a seizure on air. And no, I'm not releasing that podcast because, uh, only got as far as talking to Mike Swanson and that was not going well. So, uh, there you go. But I am, uh, in, intact and, you know, shaky as always, <laughs> but, uh, still here, folks, not going anywhere just, just yet. Um, so Larry, to this to this point, what a what a weird landscape! What a strange time to be alive. Um, did you see the yeah. film of this yet? Because uh, I want to begin there, but then I'm just going to let you go and tell us about the rest of what in the hell is going on. Uh, did you see the film of this uh, alleged drone attack on the Kremlin and all that yet? Yeah, I've seen three or four versions of the film. I mean, it is it is handy for you know some people who go, why is there a film at all? And it's sort of like. Well, it is like the most symbolic building in the Kremlin. You know, it's kind of like, is there con constant film coverage of the White House? Yes, there is. I mean, yes. there are cameras set up for security purposes. So at least we know there's no real mystery as to why there's film of it. But the good news is you kind of started off. For once, we know that it's it was an object. At mm -hmm. least we have that first art. Uh, it's not really identified in terms of origin or intent, but we know it was a flying object, so at least we got a we got a start for change. But right. we also know a couple of things. It was not it certainly was not an assassination weapon. There if you look at that film, the explosive charge, if there was an explosive charge on the device and it wasn't just whatever took it down, uh, which which we don't see on the film, you mm -hmm. know. Uh Seeing the film from various angles, you see something flying in on a trajectory. And, and one of the questions that gets to be, what is that? If it's a, you know, propeller, propeller driven drone, why do you see a trail coming down in the film? What's making that trail? Or was that a rocket coming after the drone towards the Kremlin, which would be pretty exciting. It's kind of like we've got to we've got to take that sucker down, even if we hit the Kremlin. I, there are well, lots of unknowns about the film, but and you, and on the you one see hand, an object, yeah, well, really quickly, trail behind it, yeah, coming towards yeah. the Kremlin roof, right, and then it goes off 
for a minute and you don't see it, and then suddenly you see something explode, apparently near the flagpole. But it's right. it's a minor explosion. It doesn't certainly not enough to damage the roof seriously. Uh, it's nothing that could have penetrated that building. It's in no way a, a real serious weapon that right. could cause damage to the building, nor in any way harm Putin if he were there. It, it's you can't. There's no way you could consider it as a serious assassination effort. What whatever it was was symbolic. Mm. I, I think it's safe to say that because it's something happening over. A building that symbolizes Russia. Right. So we can say it's it's a symbolic event. It is not a serious weaponized assassination attempt. Well, because if it was more serious, you would have a much more significant explosive device being employed here. If they were to, say, try to do some significant damage to the building or damage the building enough so they could harm the occupants, it would be a much more significant machine, okay? I don't even know if this is not something... Now, this is weird because it almost makes me concur with uh, some of the uh, talking heads that they hauled in, you know, immediately onto the uh, onto the MSM, right? Where it's like, well, th- this might be opposition from somebody within Russia. Now, is it a significant piece of opposition like a, an actual attempt on Putin? No. But is it a symbolic thing to say, hey, look... You know, we're we're objecting. Is is it the kind of thing where it's just like an objection being noted, you know, to what's going on, or is it something else? I mean, I'm not buying this idea that this is some sort of a you know asymmetrical attempt to make a point or to actually do some damage uh, being conducted by Ukraine. I I think that's completely ludicrous. Uh, what well, are your thoughts we, there? Yeah, we do know that there's resistance going on in Russia. We, we do know there's some opposition to the the war and the administration. You know, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like to me if it were symbolic. Whoever these folks were would seem to have done more to take it, you know, responsibility for it in advance or not in advance, but to make it clear that you know this is an opposition to the war. Right. Uh, but that's not there. I, Quite frankly, the symbol, the symbolism, and you know, Russia has always been about symbolism, about important dates in their their nation's history. Dates are critical to them. Uh, you know, if, if there's some symbolism going on here, the the only people leveraging it, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there, there's nothing for Ukraine to leverage. Right. You know. Uh, they're the only people that are leveraging the incident and taking advantage of it are the Russian spokespeople. And essentially, the, I, I don't know. You probably saw it, Chuck. It, the the interesting remark that I, I saw immediately come out because you mentioned asymmetrical, and, and somebody's going, "Well, yeah, how could this be asymmetrical? What what could the Ukrainians?" What could the Russians not do that they haven't done yet, right? You right. know, what, what's, where's the asymmetry? Uh, was the, their Secretary of State's response that said this incident gave them the authority and moral and legal right to target, essentially to kill and assassinate not only Zelensky but his entire cabinet. 
That and was gave my them, thought. Gave yeah. them the justification to do that. Now that's that's an interesting. Like, who benefits from this? That would be, you know, that would be one symbolic justification to go all out to waste the Kiev administration. Right. Well, that that was my initial thought, is that indeed it could be a false flag, like I said, in order to justify, well, now you've made an attempt on our capital. That means that we can, you know, pound Kiev, right? Uh, and be, because we have to retaliate. And, and there was something about retaliation or uh, in the initial statement that came from the Russian government, right, that was sort of like, uh, we're, we're going to have to answer this. Um, and I didn't, I, it may be the same statement you're talking about, where it was indicated that, look, we're, we're going to have to do something about this. Um, and it seems to me they're the only ones that have made a statement like this. So, and that's the other interesting thing, is if this was a legitimate opposition from within the country, uh, good point, why wouldn't somebody have claimed responsibility and said, look, this is a point we're trying to make, or... Maybe we don't want to harm the Russian government, but we want to make Vladimir Putin reconsider what he's doing. And it may have nothing to do with even the uh, the conflict in Ukraine. It could have to do with something else, right? Um, but no, none of that has happened. The only statement so far, and it's not as though, you know, we're not dealing with a regime that doesn't control the information coming out. Um, <clears throat> so indeed, there could be information that somebody wants to get out about this that's not emerging. But uh, you would think if it was some sort of point against Putin, somebody would have taken responsibility. Uh, yeah, and, and I think yeah. in terms of, of focusing on Putin, it does one thing. A, it makes it very personal. This wasn't the way Russia responded. Its public statement was, this is all about Putin, right? This right. is an assassination attempt on Putin, which does two or three things. First of all, it makes Putin look very important. I mean... Up to this point, one might say, gosh, in terms of the Russian military adventurism in Ukraine, Putin's a non-entity. No. He hasn't made any right decisions. You know, Putin's not the key adversary. No. Uh, let's take out the Wagner guy. You know, if we're, if we're going to go kill somebody, let's go go for the guys that are running the private military companies or run it going for the, you know. But this makes Putin, like, the epitome of Russia it puts him back on the pedestal mm. as target number one, so he's obviously the most important. So, mm. it, to me, it, it actually reinforces how important and critical. If if Ukraine felt that way, I mm. don't for a minute think that Ukraine feels that Putin is the number one target. No. Uh, if anything, I suspect right at the moment, Ukraine is more than happy to have Putin bollocksing up the whole command structure but it it it, so if there's some symbolism to me because russia immediately made it personal the symbolism is about elevating putin and elevating putin's position and then giving them the right the moral right the whatever to go not after kiev i'm not talking about massive strikes on kiev they specifically said to go after Zelensky and his cabinet Mm. And what that means is, you know, forget targeting Kiev or Liev. You know, we're going to bring some weapons into play that are going after individuals, whether uh-huh. that's assassins. Uh, that's, you know, that that 
ratchets up the security phobia in Ukraine, which is already quite high yes. and is counterproductive for Ukraine. So, again, I, I have to step back and say the only the only people that I see that profit by the symbolism of, of, of what wasn't really a serious attack would be the Russian psychological warfare people and, in particular, mm-hmm. Putin himself since it reemphasizes his importance. Right, and we have to put this alongside. You bring up Wagner. Well, uh, this week it was floated, and I'm not sure how serious to take this, but uh, apparently the leader of the group there was saying he's running out of ammunition. Uh, and unless he gets resupplied shortly, <laughs> um, I, I guess there's going to be consequences there where maybe they're not going to be able to uh, continue to press things as they have up to this point. Uh, not a good look on the world stage there if, uh, you know, if your you're supposedly private contractors are saying, hey, look, we're not getting supplied well enough to prosecute the thing that you're telling us to go do. Uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, that's a weird thing to also come out this week too, right? It, it really is, and it, it really is a good diversion in a way because the conversation up to that point was really about, literally about Russian military infrastructure because the incident that, that occurred last week that didn't get much coverage is now there have been at least, there are at least three or four major other paramilitary companies that have been formed by oligarchs or by companies like Gazprom and they have fielded their own forces inside Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And last week there was an incident, two incidents actually, one from contract people working for Gazprom, as I understand, who actually complained that when they ended up in Ukraine, they were taken over by the Donetsk People's Republic forces and fed into the front lines against their will. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened at that point in time is Wagner objected to it, and there actually was a gun battle between a variety of <laughs> Wagner for You know, you don't. That's a terrible story to have floating around. And it was getting a lot of coverage in military circles, mm-hmm. and of course, this diverted attention from that. But uh, the last thing you want is those kind of discussions going on in, in advance of any Ukrainian counteroffensive, and this did, you know, preempt some of that, or at least divert attention from the the infighting that's going on within the various Russian units. Right, and all of this is happening again. You know, last week we were going to wind up discussing some of the other movements and some of the other. Uh, Issues that are occurring on the uh, on the African continent, which does seem to be disconnected from the circumstance in Ukraine, but maybe not, uh, because uh, there, there's a bunch of stuff going on here, and I don't think it's getting a lot of coverage generally in the Western world. I mean, you know, here in America, we're quite busy with uh, new shooting events every day and uh, various things like that, and of course the different announcements and pronouncements from. Uh, different um, potential presidential candidates, so on and so forth. I mean, which, by the way, I find it interesting that CNN is actually going to have a town hall with Donald Trump. <clears throat> you know, for those who think, uh, oh, he's he, they're totally against him, they're working against him, and they're going to use him to uh, amp up their primetime TV viewership by giving him a town hall. 
Yeah, okay. He's not part of the uh, programming or anything. He's not part of their business strategy, is he? A anyhow, forget that. Um, what about what's going on there? Because we, we had a lot of action going on in Sudan and places like that. And how does this, uh, you know, come into play regarding the circumstance uh, there in Ukraine? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that the Wagner Group uh, leader said, and as you said, he made has made a lot of comments over the last couple of weeks. But one thing he has literally said is that because essentially there is treason within Russia, and he used that word, by the way. Yeah, he used the word his treason. People are, yeah. he, his people aren't getting the the ammunition they need. Uh, quite frankly, he's beginning to run out of the prisoners. Uh, and he's what he said was he's going to have to preserve his force so that he can continue his other activities, which are almost entirely within Africa. Central Africa, North Africa, that's where PMC, his company, mm -hmm. uh, makes their money. That that's where his business is. What he's what he's doing in Ukraine was, you know, purely a patriotic activity, and it was okay when he was doing nothing other than sacrificing prisoners. But now that he's starting to chew into his core units, you know, that's bad for business. So right. he he literally came out and said that. And again, that didn't get much coverage in terms of. So what is his core business? And his core business is in Africa, where he has done deals as a security broker for uh, some African nations. He's done de deals as a weapon supplier right. for revolutionary groups. I mean, he's happy to play both sides of the fence. If you need, if you're in power, he'll give you a security force. If you're not in power and have access to natural resources that are profitable, he will get you whatever you need. As a matter of fact, uh, he has forces, Wagner forces, actually flying MiGs in combat missions in right. North Africa, uh, in, in Libya. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure one of the, they would have been happy in Sudan uh, once they're, the people that they're supplying weapons to, the revolutionary group there, uh, managed to take over several high-end Egyptian MiG fighters. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he would have loved to have gotten his people in there and flown them out and added to his air force. But uh, the government forces blew them up. Apparently somebody blew them up before that could happen. But the bottom line is if, if you step back where Wegner is really has been extremely successful and is making tons of money is in Africa because they have they have this double ended deal where they do business with whoever has control of the assets. Mm -hmm. uh, either it's a government in power or it's a revolutionary group, and th their service is around weapons, but their real profit is in getting access to those resources and that's why he's partnered with some other Russian oligarchs to do that but uh, the Wagner group is simply a it's it's kind of I wouldn't call it a cover but it's a, it's it's basically an entree for those natural resource deals and of course that takes you to Sudan uh, and it takes you into why 
there has been some written about it, but not nearly enough mm-hmm. as to as to who's providing the, suddenly providing weapons to this revolutionary group in Sudan where they had actually worked up a compromise. It was going to be a joint government. Everything was relatively stable. And then all of a sudden, the, the revolutionary group shows up with new weaponry and launches this new initiative, takes everybody by surprise. And, and we find ourselves in a situation which, you know, on the surface seems to exploded overnight. Right. And nobody has asked the question of how and why that happened. I, I haven't seen a single news article that really explores the, the how and why it, it happened with no particular warning, I, I guess you would say. It just like, you know, somebody threw a switch. Right. Well, unlike what's happening in Israel right now, where you know what the buildup was, and you know why there's been, you know, a bit of conflict and this and that, uh, you, you can see the evolution of what's happened there, right? Uh, what, what's gone on in Africa, though, does seem to have sort of happened overnight, and they did note it temporarily, seemingly, in the international press, but then, you know, just just like the wind, it went right out. You know, so it's an interesting thing, and is it just... I mean, is it just opportunism uh, from Wagner and, and some other groups, maybe? You know, they're... Oh, I think that's an excellent word. It is, it's opportunism, but it's not, it's not, opportunism sounds like short term, right? Mm. Uh, this is more like, uh, it's opportunistic in, in that they're willing to play either side of a field in a given geographic area. Uh, it's opportunistic in in that they may not stay there for all that long, mm-hmm. but it's it's more like um, combine opportunistic with pillage, because the whole point has has to do with the natural resources and setting up the setting up the ability to extract large quantities of national resources natural resources in exchange for this service that you're providing. So. It, I, I'm just uh, you try to put it in in the context of they're not just in it for the money being made from weapons or security services. That that sounds like a dealer, right? Yeah. You know, right. Uh, what's important to them is the flip side of the coin, which is natural resources. Which, quite frankly, um, I suspect is the reason. And there's been, not not just me. There's been a lot of suspicion that. Putin convinced Wagner that if he would, you know, really, you know, come back to Ukraine, get get behind this thing, we're going to win in a matter of days or weeks. And guess who it gets it? Guess who gets the salt mines? Guess who gets the titanium? Uh. Guess who? We're you know, you you bring your forces in, and we'll make sure that you get the natural resources. You know, it's very much in line with with Wagner's philosophy and I, I have to say Wagner presents himself as a patriot mm-hmm. Wagner's key, key goal in life is the ability to get lots and lots of money <laughs> right well uh, and and that's the interesting thing here as as, uh, as I noted with Mike in the uh, first hour I, I think it's it's fascinating that the one thing that 
seemingly all the uh, different, you know, uh, uh, well, the, the talking heads out there, the, the analysts. Uh, one thing that they all seem to have an agreement on, uh, no matter which uh, side of the propaganda pool they were swimming out of, um, was that this would be a short-lived conflict, right? Uh, I think nobody anticipated the uh, amount of time that uh, that that what's going on in Ukraine was going to take. I mean, uh, really, I didn't even think that there was any way that a conflict could have lasted this long uh, as it has, you know. And and meanwhile, you have Zelensky now uh, going, you know, uh, traveling outside of the uh, country, uh, visiting with other groups, uh, other countries, uh, other leaders. You you have uh, a longer term commitment here. Which has had to be had. So, like you said, Wagner ran out of prisoners because that was going on for a bit, where they were just, you know, uh, we, we. I think you and I talked about this a bit on the show about how uh, that's how they were filling their ranks there in Ukraine. Uh, but as time has gone on, I mean, look, there, there, there is something called attrition, and over time, you know, it, it's a different, uh, it, it's a different set of uh, circumstances that you're dealing with. When you have something that goes on and it's protracted as this is. So, I mean, yeah, yeah go ahead. I, I don't think anybody in their right mind would lay out a game plan that said, okay, I'm going I'm to plan on taking 50,000 hardcore prisoners to use as my military force. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that wasn't even in the dirty dozen, right? Anybody saw that movie? No, it's okay. Right. Um, th- that makes no sense. Wh- what does make sense is Wagner. Wagner had had units fighting in Ukraine since 2014. Mm-hmm. He had units in Crimea, but we're talking about hundreds of people, maybe a few thousand people, highly skilled, experienced, the, the combat vets. These. These are people that, you know, know what they're doing. Uh, they're hardcore. Uh, they're in it for the money. And, and seeing him commit that level of support to Putin for, you know, a new initiative makes sense. Then mm-hmm. after a week or so, seeing him go, wait a minute, you know, I, I don't have the resources to do this. What am I going to do? Gives you the perspective that, you know, Going to the prisons was was never part of a plan. You know, clearly that that wasn't something that the Wagner Group was built to do to mm-hmm. to run very large scale military operations. They they were built to be mercenaries, kind right. of like you know the the Blackwater model. People are f- probably familiar with that. Um, you know that that's what they were built to be to field tens of thousands of troops and. In you know trench warfare, not his model. So right. I, I cannot believe that any of that was some part of a you know plan. <laughs> well, I was straining not to bring up Blackwater here, but I, I I really couldn't avoid it after a bit. Yeah, Blackwater. See, that's the thing. Uh, th- this was not meant to. Th- these guys are not meant to be in there for the long haul. Not in this circumstance. Um, so th- you know the the fact that they still are. Uh, regardless of whether they were bringing in prisoners or not, they were not going to be there for the long haul. They weren't supposed to have a massive troop presence 
uh, in and, general. And it's making him no money. <coughs> and yeah. Let's get back to that. It's sort of like, wait a minute, where, where was my business plan? My business plan did not call for two years of exponential losses. That's not what we're here to do. It's a company. Well, yeah, so so here it is. You know, patriotism goes just so far, but, uh, you know, look, guy, you, you got to supply us better. <laughs> and, I mean, and that was the weird thing, because I'm like, he's asking for ammunition. I mean, that seemed to be really strange to me, uh, because you would think that the one thing they'd want to do is if they have a self-contained group out there that they don't have to supply otherwise, if all you got to do is give them ammunition and the go-ahead, uh, doesn't seem to be a, a, a difficult uh, transaction, right? I mean, it seems like somebody would say, well, let's just make sure these guys are well supplied since they're doing this work. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of it from that angle. Meanwhile, you know, we skipped over something because you talked about the symbolism uh, of this attack, and we didn't really break that all the way down, I don't think, because uh, you, you did mention, I don't know if it was on air or off air, but the date itself, when this occurred, um, maybe you should lay that out for people and explain yeah. that. Um, the dates are very important. Russia celebrates Victory Day. I mean, May Day is historically, you know, for the Communist Party, which... You know, Putin is is very Soviet-oriented, if not communist. But May Day and May Day celebrations, World War II victory celebrations, they have a whole series of celebrations that are, that are planned around this part of May. And they're not just in Moscow. They're out in the various republics. The, the regions right. all have their own celebrations. And one of the things that started to become apparent over the last month or so is some concern that now, now that, um, the true cost and manpower is becoming visible at a region, regional level, mm-hmm. you know, there was, there is a couple of concerns. First of all, they're not the large military units that were available before now to put into parades. And, and shows a force, you know, ro- ro- roll out all the new tanks, roll out all the air defense systems. Um, sorry, they're in Ukraine, or they're gone. Yeah, I was okay. going to say with the, uh, quote, mobilization, end quote, right, that's going on, I-, I think that probably doesn't leave a lot of guys behind to be able to run around in the parades uh, because they, they – and there was some talk about that too, which was shut down pretty quickly. Because, again, if there was an opposition leader or an opposition point to be made by this uh, symbolic attack, which, again, it couldn't be any anything serious because there, there was not enough of an explosive device to do any serious damage. It clearly was not something that uh, was, was an efficient vehicle to, say, go after somebody personally. Uh, to me, it didn't look like because even if there's somebody was standing on the street, the explosive device didn't look like, you know. I mean, obviously, I understand it probably could have done some damage, but I mean, unless you had somebody out, you know, on the street, <laughs> okay, and literally like you know uh, crash this thing into them, I don't think you're going to do serious damage to even an individual. You know, could you well, successfully have blown yeah. up a car with this little pop that we saw? I don't even think so. Yeah, go, go ahead. What I'm it sorry. did yeah. do, and the fact that supposedly Russia had been talking for a week or so about, you know, a handful of drones that had been collected in different places inside Russia, mm-hmm. it gave them 
the excuse to declare a security emergency right. and essentially cancel almost all of those celebrations uh, because it's too dangerous. I hadn't you know, even thought of that. Yeah, because now you can't put Putin out on a viewing stand, say, you know, right. while you parade uh, the weapons by, which you said, again, we're probably all being deployed elsewhere anyway. Uh, but, you know, it, it, the, the, the old... Uh, the thing that we used to see, you know, with when the Soviets, I mean, because he's not a Soviet, but uh, but they have to tip their hat to the Soviet Union in that time period, for sure. Um, that kind of thing where, you know, you got the uh, leaders on a, on a viewing stand, right? An elevated viewing stand out in public. Everybody can see them, uh, you know, and all that. And they can watch the parade go by. Well, yeah, there's a good justification now to say, hey, look, we can't do that. Um, yeah. Although it's a little close, because you would have thought they would have stayed if it was staged. They would have staged it a little earlier, so that it's a week before or something, right? Um, but well, you, no, it was right you on the day. Cancel right? it, yeah. really? I, no, you kind of want to cancel it at the last minute because okay. you're walking a tight you're walking a tight rope. Okay, okay. let's. What I'm going to do is I'm going to admit what was supposedly the nation with the best, strongest air defense in Europe. Uh, can't, you know, can't protect itself. I, so I don't, I'm not excited to say that. That's, that's not a good thing to say. Right. Um, so you, you don't want to get that out early, as it were. I, w- I would say that you want to time it, you know, certainly no more than a week or so. And, and they started, quote unquote, discovering those drones about a week, week and a half ago. Okay. Um, so th- there's that, but there's one other area of symbolism that I found interesting, and I would not have thought of, of this, but apparently as part of this hero celebration, mm-hmm. it's very common to allow families to join the parades with posters of their relatives who have been killed in battle. Okay. And I guess there was a concern that there literally might be thousands of people showing up that that couldn't be rejected. It's kind of like, well, my boy died, you know, in combat. I can't tell you, no, you can't. But suddenly, if this if this parade, which is going to be limited because of available resources, has attached to it, you know, two thousand people marching behind it with pictures of dead and wounded, it's not a good look. Mm. Well, and there, there's an interesting thing because I haven't seen a great deal of detailed reports about what the losses are, right? I mean, a, a few months back, we were seeing um, declarations from Russia and from Ukraine about the level of losses. But have you noted that as of late, we're not seeing counts of what the casualties are? in these different operations, right? They're not saying, oh, well, we know that this many were killed or that many were killed. Uh, I'm not seeing that as often. Are, are you seeing it somewhere? Maybe I'm missing it. Well, I think it's, it's everybody is concerned because, you know, you, who's going to make that assessment? But there there have been, there are some independent groups that, that monitor from videos and destruction of, Equipment and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. Um, that that the number again, even though it's probably it's primarily in Bakhmut, okay, where the big losses are. Okay. So let's just count. Let's say that seventy, eighty percent of the losses are in, in Bakhmut to the Wagner troops. Even based on what he himself says, he's lost 
thirty or forty thousand people in the last five months. Okay, mm. and the combat estimates that the Pentagon is giving is total killed and wounded since December is upwards of a hundred thousand. Hmm. Now that's immense. That's that's something on the almost much. like the you know the previous nine months. Uh, so we, we obviously Ukraine is taking heavy losses as well, but the the Russians there is no doubt that they have that they would have taken losses substantial enough so that now it's being felt felt all over Russia. It just the two places it's felt less than anywhere else are in in Moscow and Saint Petersburg because that's where they intentionally recruited fewer people because those are like the national hubs and you know if you can if you can pull in most of your troops from out in the the boondocks the losses are less obvious yeah, uh, okay so to answer your question that there is no doubt that the losses especially because of the meat grinder and mock mud and the last four four or five months have been significant no they've been significant but the reporting on them does not seem to be so intense at this point uh, according to what i can follow i mean i'm just not seeing a lot of declarations here that there are heavy losses i, I don't see the ukrainians even pushing out numbers like we're really uh, giving them heavy losses lately unless i'm missing it uh am i missing it uh, somewhere? no no they they kind of do a week by week but they don't they don't politicize it if you will okay. i mean they're they will every week. They they issue a table of estimated, you know, tanks destroyed, aircraft destroyed, right. killed and wounded in action. But it's now become just kind of routine, and it doesn't get much unless you happen to be on, you know, certain military blogs or sites. You you don't see it in general media coverage. But these days, there's so much that's missing out of general media coverage. It's amazing, as you said. It's you know, I, I look at the the front page of CNN and it's politics and mm -hmm. entertainment and shootings, and then I have to really even look for uh, an, uh, you know other news from around the world, strategic type news like the Philippines, which I've mentioned to you. Right, and look, we'll get there before we're done because I mean, uh, yeah, the front page of uh, CNN or whatever is Jamie Fox uh, saying, you know, look, I had a problem here. Thanks for all your prayers. <laughs> Um, yeah. I mean, literally, that's like the front page, yeah. I think, right now. And that, that that's where we're at, is entertainment news and politics. And, oh, get ready for 2024. Here we go. Biden declared, you know. Um, and that's it. So the conflict, you know, continues to uh, uh, drudge on, right, at its at its pace. And there there could be more intense casualties that have occurred recently. But you wouldn't know it necessarily from the banner headlines is all I'm trying to get at. But, okay, so what is happening with the Philippines? Because that is another part of this thing. I mean, look, all these things are, are part of the landscape right now, okay? And we also see that there there has been an absence of the, uh, you know, get nervous about China coverage, too, lately. Um, that seems to have been taken down a bit, even on the uh, neocon side of things. Uh, they, they've turned, you know, turned down the volume on that a bit. Um, but, but here we are. We're still in the midst of a, a great deal of 
Well, a, a great deal of hot spots that could get out of control quickly in various regions, it looks like to me. But anyway, uh, what, what is happening with the Philippines, which yeah. you did mention off air and we didn't get to here yet? Yeah, I think, you know, as background, one of the things that's been going on for the last three or four years, actually a little bit longer, is, you know, there's, there's no doubt that China, China was for a period of time, quite frankly, as Russia did earlier, uh, adopted a very a model for uh, not for diplomacy based on economics, which Would was there, weirdly displayed when uh, apparently there was a, a phone call between uh, what Xi Jinping and uh, and Zelensky recently, right? Where there seemed to be some encouragement, yeah. some sort of you know discussion. There's some diplomacy uh, on behalf, if you will, of the. Uh, well, the the alliances there that are between them and Russia and now making contact with Zelensky, I found that to be an odd thing in the equation, too. But go, go ahead. And well, in the fact that this week, for the first time, China actually voted for a really severe resolution against Russia, uh, essentially a resolution that described their attack on Ukraine as a, you know, Illegal. Uh, it called for prosecution for war crimes, mm-hmm. and it was the first time that China's actually voted for a resolution against Russia. That right. that was significant, and that followed the call that you discussed. But the the longer term is the the sad thing is you know you and I both discussed it. There was a period of time in the early nineties where Russia was pr- pursuing economic diplomacy in Europe based around oil and gas and being very successful right. with Italy and France and Germany and then Putin decided to go another direction right. a much more military warrior oriented direction well China and, and, and we see what happened to him um, China was doing the same thing uh, during the early part of the last decade with their new Silk Road initiative linking uh, China through Southeast Asia into Africa, economic development to a lot of African nations, and and very successful and in the Pacific, not just you know into Africa, but they had turned turned things around in the Philippines to the extent that the Philippines had canceled all of the U.S. based contract uh, contracts. Uh, the U.S. military was really no longer welcome in the Philippines. You know, there are a lot of economic ties being created with China. And then China adopted this new new strategy called essentially the way of the wolf warrior, mm-hmm. which was you make everybody go where you want them to go by showing that you're so superior that it's, you know, it's not a cooperative effort. They take orders. You know, it's sort of like if you don't take orders and they begin – Really, with uh, several shows of force against Philippines fishing boats and uh, uh, basically fishing and, and territorial interest out in, in adjacent waters, and that really upset the Phil. I mean, China when China does that sort of thing, they are brutal. I mean, they literally mm-hmm. take no prisoners. They sink boats. They uh, they use their own fishing fleet in a military fashion. And the Philippines has gotten tired of that. And during the past 
couple of months have signed a series of new agreements with the United States to allow the United States to re-enter bases and actually set up new bases in the northern Philippines, uh, a security pact for the U.S. to come to their assistance, for example, if their territorial waters are violated, and, uh, you know, with a visit to the U.S., a very high-level... Dis- things have turned around like 180 degrees away from China towards the U.S. Mm-hmm. because essentially... And the same thing's happening in Australia and other nations in the Pacific just because the Chinese approach to bullying people uh, didn't set well. And right. the... the the strange thing is hopefully China won't slide the wrong direction, but, you know... Well, clearly, we saw- they, yeah, clearly they don't have a homogenous agenda, though, Larry, because, I mean, if you take a look at how they basically enabled uh, Vietnam to become a, a uh, you know, a much stronger partner in the Asian uh, business community and things like that, uh, they, they've definitely made their, their allegiances clear with people that are cooperating with them. They... They help them economically and militarily, right? But if you don't take orders, as you said, well, then it becomes rough. Uh, and some people are chafing against that. Some of the other nation states are chafing against that, uh, while others have, you know, taken to the partnership, right? So y- y- you don't have a singular sort of reaction to oh. them in the region. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that there, there's just various, uh, there, there, there's a, a, a spectrum. Of, of reactions and interactions there in the entire region, uh, so you have uh, you, you have different results coming out. And the thing with the Philippines is, well, that's not working out too good for the Philippines because uh, they're not taking orders. So maybe they're rethinking their relationship with the U.S. now, right? Well, and, and we're seeing a transition period. There's a spectrum. They had this this one strategy of. Economic fraternity, codependence, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that, as you say, that still works in some places with certain segments of the population. Right. However, they overlaid this. Uh, it it works when they're they're not in competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, right at the moment, the places that they're really in competition are at sea, basically mm-hmm. related to fishing resources oil and gas resources. So even though Vietnam's fishing fleet has been under some pressure, uh, it, it's it's probably not as significant to them. But uh, so, like I say, during any transition period, you've got two two approaches, you know, where, where the economic was working and is still working great. Mm-hmm. Where it's not working... And the force is definitely not working, not so great. I, I will say, you know, in terms of Vietnam, um, it's, it's a mixed bag mm-hmm. because the U.S. now has port access in Vietnam. We've made friends, friendship visits with our Navy ships into Vietnam. Uh, there, there's certainly no military alliance there, but it's certainly not, um, the, the Vietnamese, there, there's, the Chinese have pressured its fishing fleet. They've sunk boats. They've mm-hmm. taken over oil platforms. So it's, you know, it, it's kind of what's happening this week. You know, is it, is it 
pleasure or pain? Am I making money with them or am I taking grief from them? You know, what's what what's going on this week? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's not to, again, it's just not the, uh, the 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 simple constant answer any longer. Uh it does seem to be fluctuating a bit. But that's why I found it really strange that there was that uh you know, that action like you were t- describing regarding their change in orientation with the vote uh, against Russia and uh and, and also just the phone call to Zelensky in general. Uh the idea that they were attempting to, you know, l- look into that diplomatically when it's a quagmire that uh, clearly the, the the Russians are well committed to. I mean, I don't I don't foresee them just turning around and going home tomorrow. Uh you know what I mean? So what was going to be accomplished there if uh, if they are still uh the strongest ally to to the Russian Federation, right? Because wasn't that long ago there was the big show of uh you know the the leadership meeting with Putin there uh you know with, with China yeah. right so i'm just saying it it's it's a very interesting <laughs> thing that's going on the confusing things is um the current data on us oil exports uh-huh. us oil exports are going through the roof and part of that is because china is buying a considerable amount of us oil mhm which is interesting because, of course, they can get all the Russian oil they want at depressed prices. Right. So why would they even – it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, it looks like they're being a little bit more even-handed, if you will. Um, maybe not just literally, you know, being pulled into the Russian vacuum. You know, it it does look like that, that has changed a bit. Their, their stance towards Taiwan may not have changed, but their stance towards yeah. Russia certainly looks like it's changed a bit over the last couple of months. And if if the Ukrainian counteroffensive kicks in with any success, I think it will change even more. Well, see, there you have it. it it's it's it, it's in flux, is what I see, and a bit confusing, uh, honestly. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is some greater strategy at play here that I don't understand. <laughs> But I got to be honest with you. I see a lot of inconsistency here, and you would think that a uh, a unified kind of totalitarian regime. I, I usually don't see a lot of inconsistency in their action. You know, it's very well coordinated. Usually, uh, it's very well considered and coordinated. Right? Even the smallest nations, they're generally pretty consistent about their behaviors. But China's behavior is not consistent at this point. Um, at least to me, I, again, maybe I don't understand something here, but, uh, but I, I think yeah. you have different factions. It's not as monolithic. All of us, monolithic, myself oh, okay. included, you know, like to think things are monolithic. You know, because okay, it, it's they have a policy, but right. um, I don't think it's quite that way. Uh, that might be true for North Korea, but even China is. You know, there are. There are different interests. There are economic interests. There are military interests, and they joust with each other. Even they would they would like to have a monolithic appearance, but you know that's, the way of the world is not quite that simple. There you have it. Well, look, Larry. I know we're uh, probably going to get together again in a couple of weeks. Uh, what, what do we have to look forward to from you in a couple of weeks? I mean, I, I also want to find out what your final takeaway is on tonight's discussion. But uh, before we go there, what, what do you what do you think we'll be looking at in a couple of weeks, or 
are we just going to wait to see what the news cycle presents us next? Because I, I got to tell you, if you had asked me to predict a couple of weeks ago whether we'd be talking about a drone strike on the Kremlin uh, or yeah. you know alleged assassination attempt, uh, I, I would have uh, I would have not believed you. Um, but but here we are. Uh, are we going to wait to see what the news cycle presents, or do you have something in mind maybe in a couple of weeks to uh, come back on with? No, I think I think you're right. I think you use theta flux. I mean, that's what we were in. Uh, if you really want to talk about contemporary events, I don't think I don't see how anyone can can second guess at the moment. I think maybe it's kind of like what we did earlier. It's sort of like okay, let's look at what the headlines are. You know, two weeks from now. And see if we can draw any sanity out of it, because quite frankly, that that's not being done. Right. As you and I have discussed, people <laughs> are just reporting news, and it's so fluid and changing so fast. You don't even have time. Nobody has time for analysis. Right. They report the news for forty-eight hours, and it's on to another subject, and you kind of go. What in the world happened to that? Did anybody ever figure out? <laughs> right. I, I tell you what we're probably going to be. My prediction is that Denmark and Finland are going to provide positive in- evidence that not only did Russia blow up Nord Stream, but Russia is as either beginning to or demonstrating that it can start taking out their uh, undersea cable infrastructure. For communications uh, and a lot of other things, mm. I, I think that's going to be a hot button. Just a prediction. So I don't know it'll be two weeks, but it, that's going to that's going to happen. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. Especially now that Finland has yeah. actually reached an accord with U.S. to put bases, just just like the Philippines. We're talking about the Philippines. They've reached an right. accord where we can put bases in the northern Philippines again. Uh, mm. Same with Finland. When you have that sort of thing occurring. You just kind of got to roll with it. I got you. Well, I'll tell you what. I think even if Finland does present uh, definitive evidence that uh, Russia is responsible for the issue with Nord Stream, you know what's going to happen is a whole lot of people are going to deny it's real anyway. They're going to claim <laughs> that it's fiction. I mean, that's I'd the truth. Shocked, of it. shocked, Chuck. Shocked and amazed. I'll be shocked and amazed if, because if, look, uh, immediately as soon as somebody even suggested that maybe you know maybe this was a nope nope uh, that's absolutely crazy. You're just you know an anti-Russian blah blah, and I'm like you know you're not thinking about this strategically. And again, even with this ridiculousness over this you know association attempt, I mean I don't know how not to mock that. It, it, it's just it's stupid. Uh, if that was an assassination attempt, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if a teenager was if trying to launch. The Ukrainians demonstrated themselves to be that unskilled. My assessment is that they've shown themselves to be pretty competent, and I think pretty competent is not taking out the flag on top of the Kremlin. Well, that's the thing. Is if this was a serious attempt, I'm thinking they would have done a lot more damage. You know, I mean, just maybe it's just me. <laughs> why, why would they not have waited for the parade? If, if I'm really going to do this and roll the dice, okay, of Russia using nukes against me, right? I'm going to take out their command structure by putting a heavily armed drone on the on. We're, we're saying their targeting is good enough. They can fly a drone 800 miles across Russia and hit a flagpole. Why not wait until the next day and hit the grandstand? Right. 
I mean, that would be a lot more effective. And again, you got somebody who's not protected by a building. You got somebody who's out in the open. I mean, and at the very least, you could register a very serious point. If they were able to, I mean, it wouldn't necessarily stop what's going on, but it would register a very serious point. It would make a, a, a point to the entire world community if you were able yeah, to even get close. Point, you'd have to be desperate to do it. I mean, you'd have to be making a bet that a decapitation strike uh-huh. would re- lead to civil war. I mean, you'd have to be under extreme pressure to do that. Now, I can see a point in time if Russia were just about to roll over Kiev right. and occupy all of Ukraine. Okay, that's a desperation move. Right now, it's the other way around. Mm. Ukraine is about to roll east. Why would you do that? Makes no sense. Look, just because it makes no sense doesn't mean that that's not what people are going to think is happening. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like I said, you know, even if with definitive evidence, uh, I think a lot of people are going to say, "Nope, that's fiction." Anyway, uh, that's the other problem is even even if you do present them with something that has a great deal of contextual analysis. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean the listener, the viewer, the reader is going to believe it anyway. But one thing you can believe is the work of Larry Hancock. Again, uh, go to Larry-Hancock.com, check out his work there, and perhaps we'll hear from him in a couple of weeks when something else crazy goes on <laughs> in the news feed. I guess we'll find out then. Larry, thanks for doing this with me. It's been great to be back. Thanks, Jack. And thank you guys for listening. Sorry again about my voice tonight. Still a little strained, but that's okay. No matter who you are, where you are, when you are, remember I'm merely Ocelli, and all of you are indeed the effect. See you tomorrow night for the live call-in show, and uh, I hope you're well until then. Take care.